Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. Welcome to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast. I'm sitting here, well, not really here, but uh, across the computer from my good buddy, Clint Casper. What's going on, Clint? Well, what's going on, my man? Happy to do, uh, happy to finally have this up and running and be on one. Been talking about it for a long time and uh, been pretty excited to jump on with you. I was, uh, I think I was one of the first to know about this idea, so it's it's been pretty cool to see you kind of get it get it off the ground and get it up in the air. Yeah, man, you were, uh, you were one of the first ones I told the idea to, and, uh, you're, you're all pumped up about it and we had some, some pretty good ideas. So I'm glad that, uh, finally get to have you on here. Yeah. I can't wait for it to make a million bucks. And then I take 75 and give you your 250 and then, you know, I mean, life will be pretty swell. So yeah, it's going to work out great. I, I believe. Yeah. I'm thinking by like October so we should be, be in that realm. Um, so I, if I was you, I'd let work know you're about done. So. Well, I already, I already put in my six months notice. I figure I'll finish the year out. I mean, at least be a good Samaritan and you know, take him till December 31st. But pretty much from that point on, I'm, I'm, you know, pretty much just going to be a cool cat and a badass that runs and has part ownership in East meets West. So that's kind of where I'm at with life. I and mean, that's about like, all I got. Really. <laughs> and you take like long walks in the mountains with your bow and, you know, fun things like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, you know, I mean, it's like I camping. Mean, anyone can go out. Yeah. I mean, Anyone can go out and kill big mule deer and big elk, but how many of you actually just walk around? I mean, that's kind of my forte. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> yeah, we have a little bit in common there, I think. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, if, uh, if everyone hasn't gotten you know used to your personality yet and how you and I interact with each other, that's that's about how this podcast is going to go. So, uh, Clint, how about you introduce yourself a little bit for anyone that doesn't know who you are and where you're from? Yeah, uh, freelance bow hunting writer uh, by choice, uh, county highway uh, engineer worker for a day job, and uh, fourth generation farmer, um, grain farm and, and beef, and uh, did dairy my whole life up until a few years ago. We sold uh, sold the dairy cows and just went straight into grain and beef. But uh, yeah, I grew up hunting and fishing right here in Northeast Ohio, and just fell in love with uh, hunting, mainly bow hunting uh, from. I don't know, probably about nine or 10, I think it's whenever I really took a big interest into bow hunting and got kind of serious about it and, uh, always been in love with the outdoors and the, the magazine end of things. Um, not that I don't think video stuff's cool, but I've, I've just always been really intrigued with the guys that can come across on paper and when with a pen, um, or, or typing on, you know, a computer and, and actually put you in the moment, um, you know, I just think, I just think it's, it's, I've always thought that was really a, really uh, a big talent and something that I wanted to always dreamed about doing, always wanted to do. And, you know, I've been kind of, I'll be 30 in November, going to hit the big three. Oh, geez. Kinda, I know, I know, I know. Don't, don't label me a grandpa yet, but it's, it's, I mean, I've already bought my Walker, so we're, we're getting close, but <laughs> no, I've, uh, I mean, I've always, you know, always wanted to be a, a, a bow hunting writer. I mean, I kind of started when I was in college, you know, just some small stuff and it's kind of grown into, 
you know, it's taken me about 10 years to kind of get to where I'm at now. And by no means do I think that I'm a big time writer or anything, but you know, I've, I've gotten in some magazines and I'm kind of getting a few things to swing, swing my way a little bit. And uh, I do the blog for working class bow hunter and I've gotten to meet a lot of cool people and podcast and, you know, do a lot of cool hunts with a lot of cool guys that are a lot bigger and, and way cooler than myself. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of where I'm at. You know, I've got the, uh, um, me and my, my girlfriend, Danielle, we've got two little boys, uh, Jackson, he's seven. He killed his first buck, uh, with a bow a few years ago when he was five and, uh, our littlest one Easton, um, he just turned two in May. He's probably going to be the death of us both. He, uh, I'm going to say takes after his mother and doesn't like to listen is really bullheaded and kind of has a mind of his own, but, but yeah, no, anyway, so, you know, we're, we're all, you know, always busy with them, but looking forward to doing a lot more, uh, hunting and adventures with them and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, just pretty much a small town, uh, small town kid with, uh, big time dreams of always uh getting in the business and writing for the big leagues and uh getting in the big magazines and whatnot and just kind of still trying to live that out and then you know i met i met you and it's just like life's just turned around i mean now all of a sudden (laughs) i've got i've got like wayne gretzky wanting me to go elk hunting with him and show him how to kill one i've only killed one elk and then i've got carrie underwood who like stalks me all the time and i have to like you know I haven't blocked her because I don't want to block her, but it's, I mean, I'm almost to that point where it's like, Hey, I've got an old lady. Like you're going to have to do your own thing. You know, I don't know what to tell you, but yeah, I mean, life's pretty much changed ever since I met you. So I went from like sort of cool to like even cooler. I mean, I guess, so yeah, it's kind of where I'm at now. Just living the, living the East meets West dream. <laughs> like that, like that one time in elk camp when, <laughs> when Carrie and, and Taylor Swift came over and we did had a good time. But anyways, Clint, uh, so thanks for introducing yourself there. And growing up in eastern Ohio, you're obviously a pretty a pretty hardcore whitetail hunter, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, whitetails were my, my, my biggest passion. Um, still are. I mean, I've fallen in love with the out west um, spot and stock and glass style of bow hunting. But I mean, whitetails are always going to have that special place in my heart and um, pretty fortunate. We got some really good public ground around and then I've got access to a lot of good farm country, a lot of private stuff that we either own or lease. So I kind of got best of both worlds, but yeah, I mean, we're pretty lucky. I mean, pretty much across the board in Ohio. I mean, there's a lot of big deer and a, a lot of, a lot of big deer to chase around and, um, our season runs constant, you know, from September clear into the first week of February. So we got a long season and, you know, just gives us a lot of, you know, a lot of chances to, uh, you know, to get, get those tags filled and get out and hunt and whatnot. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really, it's been fun growing up in, in Ohio. I mean, the turkey and deer populations are really good and, and there's just a lot of, you know, a lot of cool features that come with living here. And that kind of cut my teeth on hunting deer and turkeys with my bow. And then that's kind of grown into the, I've migrated West, you know, and fallen in love with that. But yeah, I definitely cut my teeth on whitetails. So, I mean, I'm I'm always going to be a whitetail nut. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, it's funny because, I mean, you say that you know you're a whitetail nut, but uh, in the last in the last couple of years that I've known you, it's uh, you've taken some pretty impressive whitetails with your bow in in Ohio. And one I'm specifically thinking about was in 2016, I believe. Is that when you shot extra? Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah. Yep. So what was he? A hundred ninety-one inch whitetail. Yeah, he was one ninety-one gross, and I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'll be honest. I don't officially score any of my deer. Um, I'm not that I don't like to put a tape on them, and just for my own quote-unquote shits and giggles, kind of see what they score. But um, I, I'm more into if a deer walks in and it's mature buck and it gets my heart racing. Um, I don't care if it's a 130 inch eight point that's 23 inches wide, or if it's a buck like extra with kickers, stickers, main beams, extra main beams and uh, dark chocolate horns that goes 191. Um, I, I kind of base it off the, the whole gut factor and the gut feeling. And, you know, and that was a, that was a deer that I had, I'd let walk the year before, and he would have probably been in that high 60s, low 70s, if you're going to judge off of score type of deal. And I knew he was going to blow up into a, what I would call a true once-in-a-lifetime giant. And so it was fun to kind of watch him grow and put a game plan together. And I really honestly didn't think the opening night of season I would get that buck killed. He actually had disappeared. I hadn't seen him in 10 days. And... uh I got tipped off from the neighbor that he was visiting his orchard at night, eating pears and apples falling out of uh, the trees on the ground. We had really um, hard cold snap and it. A lot of our fruit and stuff had dropped and uh, he was keying in on that. So I knew he was still around, but I just, I just really didn't know when he was actually going to venture back over, you know, my direction and lo and behold, that night, I mean, you know, I, I ended up shooting him at uh, 23 yards. So it was, it was pretty. I mean, it, you know, it was like mind blowing. I, I actually, Danielle was in a wedding, and I was supposed to hunt and then go straight to the reception. And I was like, called, and I'm like, hey, I'm gonna make it. And she's like, what? And I'm like, I shot extra. And she was like, get out of here. She's like, I'll see you when you get here. I'm like, no, really, like, I'm not coming. I can't get out of my. <laughs> yeah, I'm like really like. <laughs> Um, and like I'm, I'm gonna sit here and wait on you to get home because I can't drive. Like my, I'm my body's convulsing and I don't really know what I'm doing right now. So I'll just wait on you to get here for safety reasons and then we'll go find this buck. But yeah, no, it was cool. But it's it's funny though. I get a lot of guys that ask, you know, like, uh, oh man, you know, you shot a, so I shot a 170 the year before, then killed that buck, and they're like, oh man, you know, like, what are you gonna do now? And I'm like you know, what do you mean? And they're like, Oh, well, you know, how do you go up from there? And I'm like, you know, there again, like I just don't get caught up in the score. Well, this year, prime example, this year I shot my oldest buck to date. I just got him back from the taxidermist, shot him January 13th, hunted him all year. He's a literally a mainframe six with like a three inch kicker. He scores, he grosses like 130 as like a six point. So, I mean, like he's like score wise, one of the smaller bucks if, that I've got on the wall, but he was real wide and heavy and had a giant body and was just a super old buck I've hunted for a few years and just I've honestly never seen him while hunting in daylight um, except for one time in the last like four years but he ended up being aged at uh, eight years old and I mean he's honestly wow. maybe my favorite he's he's honestly maybe my favorite buck I mean just because it took me so long to actually get to fi figure him out in person and see him in person while hunting. And then, to, I mean, I, once I saw him in person, I was just like, I've got to kill this buck. But, you know, I just, for me, it's like I said, I mean, I know a lot of guys, you know, they, they love the score thing and that's, that's great. Um, but I'm just, I, I'm more of the 
man, you know, if he's a mature buck, number one, and if he's got some cool character, number two, I mean, I just, I just like those bucks that are different. And, and I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I'm not going to let a 191 walk by again because I killed one and be like, Oh, well, I'd like to kill something different. I mean, I'm not going to do that, but I'm just, you know, <laughs> I, I only want typicals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, so you're 175 inch mainframe 10. I just really don't like your kicker off your G2. Probably just going to let you walk. I just really don't care for you. I've already got one that looks sort of like you. No, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm definitely not going to play that game, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just, I think in today's world, a lot of people get caught up in the score thing and, you know, I mean, I just, I don't know. I, I, I like to see people talk about age and weight and stuff like that versus just, Oh, well, what do you score? What do you score? Yeah. I, yeah. You know what I mean? I'm, if I'm if I got caught up in the score, I'd, I'd fail a lot. <laughs> well, that's the thing is, you know, people don't, you know, there's there's so many cool bucks that are killed every year that have such a badass story, but they're only a 140 or 150, which in my eyes is still a hog. But, you know, everybody wants to see that 200. And it's like, man, people don't realize what goes into hunting or even just finding a buck that'll hit 170 plus. I mean, I've got access to probably pushing 2,000 acres and, and, and that's all private that's not counting any public that's private. And I mean, I've only got, I'm going to say one or two deer every year. And I run about, uh, I think, well, I just threw two away that are totally broke. So I'm down, I got, I, I run 14 cameras dang near year around. Um, at this point so where I'm at is 14. And I usually have two, maybe three. That would be that Booner, or bigger. And, and we're talking 2000 acres in Ohio uh, too, in, in Ohio mm-hmm. on farm ground. So, I mean, it's not like every farm's got a 160, 170 plus. I mean, I've got a lot of great farms that they just never, you just don't ever see a buck like that on them. I mean, you'll have some solid four and five year olds every year that are that 140 to 150. But if you're looking for that next level booner deer, that farm in the last 10 years has never produced that there. It just, whether it's genetics or whether it's just, they just, you know, those bucks in that area that are that size just don't come there. I don't know, but it's just, there's, I've got some farms that are dynamite farms that you'll never see a 170 on. I mean, that's just, if that's what you're looking for, that's not the farm to be on. Cause they're just not there, you know, but there's so many great deer, you know? So I, I mean, like I said, not to get on a tangent, but I just, you know, I don't like to get caught up in the score thing, but, but yeah, anyways, he was, he was one, you know, for the score guys, he was 191 gross and my biggest bow buck to date, um, that I just don't get, you know, I mean, I, I like to score for fun, but I, I don't get caught up in the score thing. And, you know, I, in today's world, I just see so much of the, the score thing that goes on and, and not that I'm against it by any means. I'm not, you know, I mean, I mean, I'm a fan of Pope and Young, fan of Boone and Crockett, fan of all that, but you know, I, I like to, I like to talk about, you know, how unique a buck is or how old he was or what he weighed, you know, that, that kind of stuff gets me just as excited as, you know, oh, what he gross or, or whatever. And I definitely don't even talk about net because in my opinion, nets are for fishing. So yeah. I don't even, I don't even talk about that deal. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, you know, of a certain situation where there was a, a, a deer of a, you know, a friend of mine that shot that was extremely big. And until you got the net score and it lost literally oh, 50 yeah. inches. 
So it's, oh, yeah. It's, yeah, I don't oh, yeah. agree with that kind of that, scoring, but it is what it is. Yeah, absolutely. That's how extra was. I think, uh, I think when, I think when it was all said and done, he was, he would have been in like the one fifties Yeah, one maybe, maybe cracked one sixty. you know? So he, yeah, he would have lost 30, basically 30 inches. So, you know, but, uh, so yeah, yeah no, that's, uh, yeah. I mean, like I said, I'm just, uh, I'm just a lucky guy that met you and now I'm a badass. So that's pretty much about all I got. I mean, I don't really know. What me, so, yeah, well, <laughs> I know you and I could talk all days about all day about whitetails too, especially since we come from, you know, relatively different worlds, you know, where I've hunted little farm country. I've hunted some and I've, and I've hunted in Ohio where, you know, I thought there was a big buck around every tree. And it's not that case if you don't have the right piece of, you know, private ground. I've actually had better luck on some public ground in Ohio than I, than I have on private. But, um, and then I'm thinking if I'm, if I'm assuming that I know you, uh, you haven't hunted a whole lot of, of, uh, like big woods deer before or have you? Uh, I mean, I've done some hunting in some other states and different places and, and done some big wood stuff. But around here where I primarily do most of my bow hunting for whitetails here in Ohio, we just, you know, you'll have 80 to a hundred acre tracks, you know, maybe a little bigger than that, but you, you, you just don't, you know, you, I don't have many, um, continuous properties where it's three, four 500 acres of, of big woods and there's no crop fields. Now I have killed a couple good bucks in another County. Um, where it was big woods hunting and I was hunting saddles and ridgelines and I was hunting, you know, natural funnels, um, creek bottoms and oak flats. And I mean, you know, you were basically, I mean, just hunting a big woods buck and, 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 you know, hoping to catch him in a spot that was easy for him to travel to and from wherever he was going. Mm -hmm. And I enjoy that style of hunting because you never know realistically what's going to show up like crop field and ag farms. I mean, you know, all summer I can watch these bucks. I mean, I pretty much know who's around, who's here, what's going on. The big woods deer, I mean, you, you really don't know. I mean, you know, you, you could have, you could be on one side of a saddle and have your camera hung and, and have three one forties on it. And over the hill could be the Mac daddy of them all that goes 175 and he's just living on the other side of that saddle and never, yeah, never, never get photos of him. Yeah. And you never get photos of him. But then one day they're in the rut, he comes up over that saddle and he's in your lap at 20 yards and you're like, oh my God, holy shit. Where did this buck come from? You know, <laughs> drop like, your bow out of the tree and have a, you know, a quick panic attack and yeah, and then it, and then you, you know, you, you pull out your Glock and put it sideways and you fire three rounds into him. And then whenever you take pictures, you just flip him on the other side and put an arrow <laughs> and you're like, yeah, check this sweet buck out. Like, Hey, you know, what up vortex? You want to sponsor me? Yeah. I mean, you, you know, like we've both been there. Man. <laughs> I, I heard that's how you killed extra, but we won't get into that story. I can <laughs> tell you that much. Uh, I mean, like, I'm not, you know, I mean, I'm not going to say I did anything. I mean, illegal. I mean, you're allowed to have, you know, I mean, I, I, you're allowed in Ohio to, you know, have a compound or a crossbow. I'm not going to say that I didn't spy any with my crossbow and then shoot him with my compound and be like, yeah, I mean, hey, I did kill him with my compound. I mean, it is what it is, you know, like, 
I mean, no, <laughs> I can't even. I can't even handle you right now. Oh man, so, so that's funny. But that, so let's transition a little bit here, Clint. So, how you and I first, you know, kind of got talking um, when we first, you know, met up. We started talking about Western hunts. I remember seeing uh, the first picture of you was with a New Mexico elk. That's when uh, we became Facebook friends, and you know the rest was history from there. But uh, you, yeah, you had a, a big New Mexico bull on there, and that was that was right after I got back from my trip and where I didn't kill anything. But I was like super pumped about it and wanted to to learn a little bit more, you know, about what you were doing. And then once I, you know, started seeing some of your adventures and the things that you're doing, it was pretty obvious that uh, you spend a lot of time out west and that you love it yeah yeah no i mean yeah you hit the nail on the head i mean i just kind of jumped into it not really knowing what i was doing but had some buddies that have been out there and kind of just learned off of them but yeah i mean that first uh my first out west hunt was actually a mountain lion hunt and uh a buddy of mine said hey let's go to new mexico and hunt elk in the fall I said, yeah, I said, that's awesome. I said, I've always wanted to do that. You know, the only hunt I've really ever been out of state prior to that was some whitetail hunts. And then I went up to Saskatchewan, Canada and killed a big black bear with my bow a few years prior to that. But I'd never really been out West and I'd always dreamed about doing that. So I was like, yeah, man, let's do it. So then it was in like August and, uh, he's like, well, let's, let's plan it for the fall of 2015. So the, you know, so this was like, uh, the, the fort, you know, uh, 2014, we're talking about it. And so I get this call from him about a month later, he goes, Hey, do you want to go on a mountain lion hunt in New Mexico first? Like, I'm like, well, when he's like in like February, I'm like in like a couple months from now, February. He's like, yeah, I'm like, all right. Like, you know, that'd be kind of cool. Like. I grew up coon hunting and stuff, so, like, I know you got to hunt them with hounds and all that. I'm like, yeah, that'd be kind of fun to chase those around with a bow, you know, whatever. Well, long story short, I mean, it was, like, basically, like, just imagine waking up every morning and someone comes in your room and kicks you right in the balls, and then every night before you go to bed, someone different comes in and kicks you in the balls, and that's how your day starts and ends for seven days, that's what that mountain lion hunt was like, but I hear but, that's like being married, but either way, well, yeah, I don't know. I'm not married yet, but I mean, it's close enough, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, Danielle, don't listen to this. Yeah. Don't Doug, uh, God, don't listen to this Jesus. But, uh, truth be told, it was one of those hunts that was super tough. Um, but being out west my first time, getting to see the landscape, getting to see the mountains, getting to, you know, uh, we, we found a bunch of elk and muley sheds. We, I mean, it was just one of those experiences that I was like, I love this. I mean, although I was riding on a horse for literally like 30, I think we averaged 33 miles a day. It was day five when we actually finally caught up to the cat that I killed. Well, I had like 150 miles on horseback. And I'm, I'm by no means am I like a rider. I mean, I've rode a little in my life, but not, not to where I was, like, not to where I was like ready for that. Like I was not honestly prepared for that, but 
Yeah, though, I mean, it was one of those hunts that really opened my eyes, and I'm just like, man, this is this is like such big country and just such beautiful landscape, and it was just it, it was just such a different style. And so, then fast forward to September, and I get to go out there, and me and my buddy both shot two really nice bulls an hour apart. Got into this 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 um, this herd of them. Uh, there was three bulls in the herd, and we ended up killing the two biggest, and we had amongst us and bugling i mean it was just it was crazy it was like textbook picture perfect elk hunt you know and took all day and night to pack them out and i mean it, we were like 20 miles in on horses packed in and i mean it was just it was such a fun hunt and i mean it just when i come back from that i remember telling danielle who at the time was pregnant with east and i'm just like i'm in love with this out west i'm, I'm like I, i'm i am like enthralled with with what the West like gives you as far as a hunter. I mean, just the, and then you the got sights. kicked in the balls again for saying that you loved out West so much and, and probably more, didn't say it, that to her. <laughs> I, yeah. And then I got kicked in the balls again, but so yeah, that's kind of where it started. And then I, you know, I just started thinking, I'm like, okay, at that point I'd wrote a couple articles for some hunting, um, some deer hunting and some Turkey hunting stuff some, some blog work, a little bit of magazine work, some, some newspaper stuff. And I started thinking, I'm like, well, no one really around here, like is going solo out West and doing a lot of this crazy, these, you know, some of these crazy hunts with a bow, like, you know, I think I'd like to do some of this wild stuff. And like my mom and dad were just like, totally like, you know, you're an idiot. You're nuts. What are you doing? Like, you can't go out there by yourself. Like, are you, are you crazy? Like, do you, do you want to die? I just started thinking and I like got this big dream. Like, I'm just like, man, what if I could be like a whitetail slash Western guy and like get it done in both worlds with my bow? Like imagine the opportunities that would open up for me as like a writer. Like I could write about like basically every Avenue. I mean, I could write about out West stuff, whitetail stuff, tricky stuff. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to go for it. So I went out and I mean, I've been to Colorado a couple times by myself and I've, I've been hunted Montana and I've hunted, you know, Utah. And I've, I've just, I've been to some different places that, you know, it's like, once you get started, you just can't stop. But I mean, you know, most of these hunts I've come back honestly without punching a tag. I mean, but you take, I, I've just taken away so much from it. The experience itself, like I, I've just fallen, I'm just like consumed by the whole deal of bow hunting out West. I mean, I absolutely just love it. Yeah. And that's, so, yeah, and that's where like, and I mean, the whole point behind this podcast and everything is just showing people like, I mean, without you even saying it, you can tell in your voice and, and your passion that how much that's changed your life overall. I mean, I didn't know you before, but I heard you were kind of a waste. So, um, you know, that's now you change your life around. <laughs> yeah okay I maybe i exaggerated a little bit but anyways <laughs> i was a, i was i was a troubled troubled kid going down a bad road and then i i found you and things have just turned around and i've went from you know i went from scabs to riches within like a month i mean it's it's just it's it's magical of what you know what's taken place but no no I mean, you, you are though i mean all jokes aside you're right i mean uh that Western style of hunting, especially, you know, I mean, and, and I'm a, I'm an only all bow guy. I've been like that for probably five, six years now. And I mean, it's just taught me so much about 
not only myself, but just, you know, like what I can mentally and physically handle and, and just, I just love all the planning and the, the, uh, the unknown, the unknown factor has always captivated me out there because you just don't know. I mean, here in Ohio, when I walk into a stand an hour before daylight, like there's nothing out there unless Danielle is really mad at me and decides to hide behind a tree and stab me as I walk by. But there's nothing out there that's going to like attack me or hurt me or anything like that. But like out West, there's just so many different levels of unknown like factors that you just like you just I mean one wrong step on a rock shoot and that's it um you get you know you're in Montana hunting and you run into a grizzly like me and my good buddy Brian Barney did a couple you know a few uh last spring you know I mean you we ran into a, a sow with some cubs one day uh you know you just you just don't know and I mean I love I love that unknown factor the lightning storms oh my god I mean I've never I been hate afraid those. of Never been afraid of lightning in my life until I hunted the the super, super high country of Colorado last year. And I was in that like 13 to 14,000 foot range. I got caught going up over a pass in the middle of a lightning storm, middle of the day. And I was pinned down. And I mean, I'm not going to lie. I was shitting bricks, like just praying to God that I made it through the next hour. Like, I mean, and like, here I am like going back again. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, you know, you, you put yourself through those situations and you're like, Oh my God, I'm never going to do this again. Then as soon as you get, <laughs> like, as soon as you get through it, you're like type two fun, I'm, man. Oh, yeah. Like I am such a badass now. Like I just lived through a lightning storm in Colorado. Like, yep. Pretty much invincible. That's basically where I'm at right now. Pretty I, much. Invincible. I, uh, last year we all, well, last couple of years, but especially last year, I can think of this one lightning storm that just hit. And this, it was, you know, I was climbing up the hill. I, I went, actually, I went down over this ridge. I got back up, was heading back to camp. It was just getting, getting dark. And I'm like, well, shit, I didn't get any water for, I don't have enough to make dinner or breakfast in the morning. I'm like, I had to drop back down over to this little mountain lake. I had to drop straight off this ridge. And I was like, I don't want to carry all of my shit down there and then carry it back up. So I took everything out of my pack besides my empty bladder and went down over the hill, including my rain gear I took out and got down Ooh, to the lake nice, and nice, nice. it hit like, you know what, how it happens. It was like every day you could look up like, all right, it's four o'clock. It's sunny four twelve. You're hitting, getting hit by sideways hail lightning. That's there's trees coming down. Oh man. It's. It's something like you've never experienced. I remember, I think maybe even up to three times on this last trip, I remember praying to God saying, just get me out of here. Like, I'm I'm done. Like, just save oh, yeah. me this one time, and I'll never come back into these woods again. And then, like, nine minutes later, I'm fine. But it's <laughs> it's crazy. Well, and you know, that's something that I want to touch on a little bit in this podcast because I think a lot of guys – either a don't want to talk about it or b they haven't experienced it yet and i know like you you're getting ready to go on a solo hunt by yourself this year and um you know i've been working on a blog and finished a blog uh for you and for east meets west that's that's gonna you know i kind of talk about how solo hunting's made me a better not only bow hunter but just a better person in general and uh 
you know, that's sold that's the solo deal is, is really cool, but you know, there's like that anxiety slash fear factor that comes with it. Like your first couple nights. And I mean, you'll see what I'm talking about this year. Like your first few nights out there, you'll be kind of like wide awake here at twig snap, which is probably like a rabbit or something. And you'll be like, what if that's a velociraptor? I mean, what, just what if that's what it's out there? I mean, should I peek outside my tent and look? Should I turn my light on or should I just act like I don't hear it? Like, it's so funny how <laughs> lay on your back like, with, like, with your pistol on oh, your yeah. chest. <laughs> like, come on, yeah. bring it. You've got like your, your, like, I have like my, like my, uh, my, my freaking uh, my Taito knife on my chest. Like, come on in here. I'll stab whatever you are. Like, you know, like you're going like, to really a real do light, something. like girly voice. Like, come on, I'm going to catch you. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, the, the, the solo, the solo deal though, I, I, you know, some guys can do it. Some guys can't. And I was really anxious to see if I was going to like it. And, and, and I, I, I did, I mean, I really do like it. It's kind of a way for me to reconnect with myself and be out there alone. And it's like stone, it's like, you know, stone will sharpen stone or steel start sharpen steel, however you want to word it but you're kind of against yourself. Like you're, you know, you're competing against yourself. And I mean, like I try to really push myself to the limits because I don't want to let myself down. And even on some of these hunts, when I haven't feel a tag, I've left that state heading home knowing I gave it my all. And that's what I love about solo hunting is it's like, it's just you. It all revolves around you. Like, There's no one else to blame at that point. No, no, no. I mean, you make it or you break it all based off of what you do, your decisions. Did you train hard enough? Did you shoot far enough? Did you shoot enough? Are you proficient enough with your camping stuff? Are you, are you smart enough to, to stay out of the lightning storms and not get killed? I mean, and, and like people will laugh at that statement, but that's, that's the brutality and the truth of solo hunting in the mountains, especially the high country. I mean, you go to the really electric states like Nevada, which I haven't hunted yet, but I'm hoping to hit next year. If Nevada will let me get a tag, which they didn't this year, maybe next year. Uh, thanks the division of wildlife in Nevada, a bunch of assholes. Anyway, uh, hoping I can get there, but like Colorado, I mean, it, it can be electric, you know, Utah. I mean, some of these States, you just, you know, you get into that lightning and like we talked about earlier, you know, it, it's just fun it's scary, but it's fun, but it's like, it's stuff that you just don't, it's, it's like I said, it's that unknown factor that I really, really like. And that's, what's just kind of, you know, captivated me about Western hunting, especially solo hunting. And it just make it's, when it's you, fun for, when you get those, you know, those lightning storms and when you go through that, doesn't it make you, you know, appreciate the things that you were complaining about before? Like when you're at oh. home and you're like, Oh no, it's raining outside. I got to walk to my car. Like, Oh yeah. You yeah. know, I, I don't get bothered by little yeah. stuff and I, I laugh at people that do. And so what you were saying about like the, the aspect of solo hunting and everything, and I'm going to be honest, like I'm freaked out about it. Like I am not, I I'm excited, but I don't know what to think. Um, it's, it's just out there is so different. Like, I mean, I hunt solo, you know, for whitetails and in the, the, the big woods Appalachian region, but I have a place to go home to every night. I know I'm only X amount of miles from the truck. There's not going to be this, you know, happening. 
when you're in in the actual mountains like that, like whether that's Colorado, Montana, Wyoming, Idaho, Nevada, wherever it is, it's a whole different world. This is the the true wilderness. You know, you don't you don't have those comforts anymore. You don't have the the cell service. You don't have you know those creature comforts that you're used to everyday life, and your mind starts to play tricks on you. It's, I just I mean I know last year I hunted most of the trip by myself, but I had someone when we went back to, we had, we set up a base camp where we hiked into about a little over four miles from the truck and we'd hike back there. And I, you know, I'd, I'd meet up with my dad and my brother and some other people that we were, or and my uncle, that was the only ones we were there with. But having that aspect of coming back and being able to talk to somebody was huge. And yeah. you don't, you don't have that when you're by yourself. You just get freaked out. I mean, my first year out there, even when I was with people, it was weird. When you go from every day having your phone on you, having, you know, talking to people, driving down, seeing people, and you go to not seeing that, it's nice, but it freaks you out at first. And you have to, you know, be able to get through that. And people may, you know, laugh at that and say like, you know, what's the big deal? You just don't see anybody, but you don't, truly understand it until you go through one of those mountain hailstorms or lightning storms or um just days of just beating your body into the ground and then you know trying to sleep when you think you hear a gigantic sasquatch outside smacking trees together and and everything else and and the mountain lions that are in the trees above you which i know they're there but i can't see them yeah well the 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 Sasquatches, they usually grab two by fours and beat those together. It's kind of like a type of sound with like, you know, the, your knuckles beating together. But, but yeah, I mean, the, you know, you, you just, you haven't been out there by yourself yet, so you don't quite understand the Sasquatch thing, but, but you will, you'll see some when you're out there. I mean, I've experienced some, I'm friends with a couple of them. We Skype and whatnot back and forth, but yeah, you, you'll, you'll figure that all out. I mean, it's, but yeah. no, I mean, so, yeah, you're, what I want you to dig into a little bit, Clint, is like, what was your first experience by yourself? And so what are some, you know, pluses and what are some minuses that go along with solo hunting? I would say the, the biggest thing that I took away from my first solo trip was you need to, you want to be in good physical shape, no doubt. But I honestly feel like the guy who is mentally prepared for that hunt will outlast the guy who is more physically prepared and not men- and not as mentally prepared. Like I'll take the overweight guy who mentally knows what's ahead against the guy all day, against the guy who is physically a monster but mentally hasn't really thought about what he's about to, to embark in. And what I mean by that is – before you ever go on this hunt, like you have to grasp that there is nobody, there's nobody to blame. There's nobody to fall on. There's nobody to lean on. There's no one to, there's no one to even bounce an idea off of. Like you are solely out there by yourself and you've, you've got to find comfort in that. For me, um, I'll be honest. I mean, I miss the shit out of kids, Danielle, my family. Um, but you, I look at it like this. Danielle's at home with the boys. Like 
I'm on this trip. I'm thankful for it. I can't be sitting around moping. Like I've got to make the most of it. Like, like I feel like they're depending on me to get it done. Like I'm on this trip. I'm thankful to be able to go on it. I'm, I'm thankful that she's supportive of it, that my family's supportive of it. Like I'm here for a job. You know what I mean? Like, so like you, you've got to find ways to get your mind to work with you, not against you. Like, you know, um, you're going to have moments where you feel lonely and, and you feel, um, out of your comfort zone and that's okay. That's fine. It's going to happen, but you've got to have it in the back of your head that you chose to do this. This, this is your big hunt of the year. This is your opportunity. It's all on your shoulders. Like you just got to dig into it every day and find that motivation. And for me, the motivation is, Hey, I'm out here by myself to get a job done and I'm going to make the most of every hour that I'm out here and I'm eventually going to freaking get it done. It's going to pay off. But you know, I mean, your first time there's, there's a lot of firsts that are going to come about that your second, third, fourth solo trip, you won't have to worry about. But like, just, just for example, like I remember, um, on my first trip by myself, one time, my jet boil wasn't working and the I igniter. Yeah. It just, it just, it just wasn't working. And I'm like, I was kind of freaking out. Cause I'm like, my main meals are, you know, f- meals that mountain house meals and like, you know, like, or like, like what Heather's choice does, you know, like meals that I need to boil some water. And I'm like, Oh shit. Like, and I started to almost like have a panic attack about this. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, like, what am I going to, you know, but I just calmed down and I figured I, I took it all apart and I put it back together and was able to get it going. But it's like, you, you know, you have to trick your mind into to thinking like, okay, I'm out here to survive on my own. And okay, what do I need to do to make a situation that's not good, good? Or what do I need to do to better myself today versus yesterday? And it's like, you've almost got to play little tricks with your mind to get you through the day. But I mean, it's such a captivating experience because you are by yourself. And I mean, you're going to experience stuff alone that 99.9% of the rest of the world will never experience. I mean, not many guys do this kind of stuff. So it's, I mean, you honestly, like every time I leave one of these trips, whether I kill something or not, I honestly do feel like a badass and not in a cocky sense, but just in a sense of, you know what? I might not have killed the mule deer I wanted on this trip, but I made it nine days by myself in the back country. I survived. I gave it my all. I experienced and witnessed a bunch of super cool stuff. And you know what? I did something that most people are too, in plain words, chicken shit to do. And like, that's the mindset you've got to have. It is like, you know, you're going into this with a, I know I can do it. No matter what happens, I'll figure it out. And that's kind of the fun of it for me. I mean, I've gotten to the point where I've done enough of them now to where I enjoy the problem solving. Like I enjoy the, okay, um, there's a buck bedded over there. It's five o'clock. Do I have enough time to make it around the backside of that mountain and get up on top and, and, and get above him and hope I catch him when I'm feet? You know, it's just scenarios that you play in your head that you're like, okay, Clint, what should you do here? Like, there's no one to ask. Like you're, you're totally all going off of your own instinct, your own gut. I don't know. I've just really fallen in love with that. Now the negatives, um, I don't like to be negative, but I mean, there definitely are some negatives to solo hunting. 
I mean, number one, you're solo. You're by yourself. Uh, you kill an elk 12 miles back, you're going to have to pack everything out by yourself. I mean, you know, there's a lot of grueling, aggravating moments that can come with a solo hunt. I mean, you're, you know, you're, you're on your own. If, if, if you fall and break your leg or if something happens, you don't have anybody to rely on. I mean, so you've, you've got to learn to adapt. And I mean, that's a negative. Um, the other negative is, is you, you don't get to share any of this with anybody. Yeah. You can take pictures, you can take video, but you don't have anybody there to actually be like, dude, look at that sunset or dude, look at that bull or look at that buck strip as velvet on that bush over there. Like to me, I like to experience that stuff with people. But then again, though, it's also kind of cool to, to do it on your own. But I mean, I can see where that's kind of a negative, like, you know, you are solo, but honestly, I feel like the positives really outweigh the negatives. I mean, in my mind, if you can list a bunch of negatives, you, you just shouldn't even go on a solo hunt. Cause you're probably honestly not going to like it. I mean, you know, the, and, and I'm not trying to discourage anybody listening because I love solo hunting. I think everyone should do it at least once and try it. But if you're going into it with a negative mindset and you're, and you're already dreading the process and I don't mean anxiety or anticipation. I mean, you're actually sitting there like dreading it. You're probably like, it, like you've already let your mind. You've already defeat, failed. Yeah. Yeah. You've already let your mind kind of defeat the purpose of you going. So I'm going to kind of be worried about you a little bit. I mean, like if I talk to you right before you leave to go to Colorado this year and you're like, man, I just really am not feeling like this is going to be fun. And I'm, I'm honestly kind of dreading it. Like I would probably be like, shit, man, like he's probably not going to fare well by himself out there. Like he's like, he's probably going to mentally go insane. And it's like, like I said earlier, that's the biggest thing is the mental aspect. Like you've got to mentally understand what you're about to do and, and really come to grasp with no communication to the outside world, nobody else with you. It is you on your own. You got to figure it out yourself. And I mean, you either love that or you hate that. I have learned to love that, but some guys don't. And there's nothing wrong with that. I, I don't want anyone to take away from this podcast that I'm saying you're a pansy or a puss or, or you're, you're not a bad badass if you don't like the solo hunt because that is not true at all i mean i know a lot of dudes who are fantastic bow hunters and have killed way more stuff than i've killed at this point who just do not like to hunt solo they they, they they're just not a fan of it and that's there's nothing wrong with that i mean but you know we're just talking about solo hunting and why we both like it or or, or why we're both intrigued by it i guess you're about to go on your first one so realistically you could come back and be like, I'm never doing that again. I don't like, I mean, honestly, I mean, I personally think you'll love it, but you might come back and be like, dude, you're, you're, you're nuts to do that for 10 days by yourself. Like, I don't know how you do it. That's crazy. I mean, so, and that's okay. So you know? where, so where I'm, where I'm at with it is, you know, when I found out that I was going to be going, you know, by myself this year, I had some people ask, Oh, you let's, let's go together. Let's do it. And, I didn't want to offend anybody, but I said no, because for me, I, I'm, I'm a person that I'm very strong minded and some may say I'm stubborn, but I have something in my head and, and goals I want to do in the way I want to do it. And I know if I do that by myself, I'm not letting anybody down if I'm wrong. You know, I'm just, I can make my own decisions and run with it. And I, I for me to hunt with somebody, I don't hunt with a lot of people. 
I hunt with like a select few people that are like-minded with me. And sometimes it can be a little bit different that we can, you know, play off each other's, you know, strengths and weaknesses, but I can't hunt with everybody. People will not like me after, you know, so many days of being with me. If you're not somewhat similar or have the same goals in mind. And that's where I struggle with just, you know, going out and hunting with, I, I mean, I have some great friends that I know that I can never hunt with just because I know our, you know, our attitudes and everything would clash. And that's not me saying that, you know, I'm an alpha type personality where I got to take over and take charge. That's not it. But if I'm going to spend my whole year planning something like this kind of adventure, I want to get the experience that I have in my head out of it. And I can't do that with, you know, just anybody. So for me, I I think it's almost a thing to, you know, kind of prove to myself to see, you know, that, that I can do this and I want to push myself because I I know it's going to be uncomfortable. I'm already on, you know, I get uncomfortable thinking about it, but it's an exciting uncomfortable. It's something that I know I, that, that I want to do to, you know, get to that, get to that next level in, in bow hunting. So when I, you know, from, bow hunting in the east just going west just opened up my mind to so many things and i want to see if i can go that next level and like you said maybe i'll hate it maybe i'll come back and say clint you are just, you're messed up i i don't care i don't like you i don't want to talk to you anymore you're a solo hunter i'm not maybe that's the case but maybe i'll love it and i'll, I'll love that sense of adventure but um i'm excited to you know kind of get away from from everything and just put myself out there and, and see, you know, relying completely on myself, what can happen. And that's, that's what I'm extremely excited about. So Clint, I, I do have a question for you around the mental aspect. You've said a couple times, you know, about how important it is to be mentally strong. How, is that something you're born with or is that something that you can, you know, create or develop? Yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, I think, I think some people are just born like stubborn and bullheaded and, and to the point where like they mentally just won't give in or give up. And I I honestly get that from my dad. My dad is very much like that. Like if you tell him there's no way you can plant this entire farm in corn today, he'll be like, okay, watch this. And he might run that planter for 14 hours straight, but damn well sure that farm will be done before the day's over. Like that's just, that's just, he's just, the minute you tell him he he can't do something, he like perks up. So I'm kind of like that too. Like, you know, I guess I was born with that, but I also know some people though, who when they're faced with adversity, they transform into someone who's mentally tough, who, who outside of that adversity really doesn't show that aspect. Like, so I, I think it kind of just depends on, can you be born with it? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that for sure. But can you also learn to be mentally tough? Yes. Um, Is it through experiences know. like this that yeah, you can, yeah. or many yeah. events, can you learn it? Yeah, I, I, I think as as you go on some of these adventures and as you face different obstacles, I think you can mentally 
conquer your fears or conquer your demons for lack of a better a better phrase like almost like tough people conquer tough times like if if you're if you're faced with a with a tough situation on a hunt you know you might not be mentally a, a tough person but because you're backed in a wall and there's no way out but to come out swinging, like that's just your only option. That's kind of like what you, what you do naturally without even thinking about it. And, you know, I think a lot of people, I think some of the best, some of the best bow hunters that, that I know, um, one that comes to mind right away, be my good buddy, Brian Barney, who is, uh, one of the main bow hunting writers for Eastman's and, and has the Eastman's elevated podcast who I know you follow real close and are a big fan of, um, I've hunted with him a lot the last uh, year and a half, and he's one of those guys that he does not come off as, you know, um, a, a badass or a hard ass. But like, when faced with a tough climb or a tough situation, like that dude kicks it up into another gear, and he 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 will put himself in another place, and and like he'll lock himself into four low and just be like, yep, I'm doing it. We're going to do it. We're going to make this stock. We're going to make this climb. We're going to, you know, uh, I can remember last year on a spring bear hunt last day, we spot this bear through the spotting scope, like two miles away. We're not quite sure if he's a shooter, but it's the last day. So we got to make a play on him. And he's like, man, lights fading fast. He's like, He's like, man, he's like, you know, what do you think? I'm like, dude, I'm like, let, let, let's go for it. He's like, that's what I wanted to hear. He's like, let's make it happen. And like, I watched him go from common collected to just savage. I mean, it, it took everything I had to even remotely sort of keep up with this guy. I mean, we, we tore down off this mountain and jumped and crossed, jumped a couple cricks, crossed over this saddle, got up into this big bowl right where this bear was heading, ended up being a smaller boar, maybe a five footer, walked by us at 15 yards. Like it was such a cool experience, but like moral of the story is like that, that dude will kick it into another gear that you don't even know he has. And I really think that people can do that without you know, you don't have to actually have to be born with that mentality, but in some aspects, you just know when it's time to, to bring that out of you. So yeah, I think it can be learned and I think experiences will sharpen people. And I think you'll see on your trip, like there's going to be times where you're going to be like, ah, shit, you know, what do I do now? And something will click and you're just going to gain confidence. Like you'll, you'll go from being worried or kind of in a panic to, all right, I got this. All right, I got it. You know, I, okay, I can make this climb up out of this rock face. Or uh, I can remember last year uh, hunting this one giant typical buck that I had hunted for a few days in a row. I had to strap my bow on my, my Kafaru pack and make a pretty much a, a freehand climb up, up, up over this rock face. And I'm by no means a, a rock climbing guru or a rock climber by any means. I mean, I've pissed around and done it a little bit like here and there at some parks and stuff. But I mean, with a 30 pound pack, you mean like the rock, and, like the rock wall in the gym, like that type of thing. Yeah. I mean, like I've done, <laughs> I've done that, 
and then maybe like a little bit more like outside like freestyling with some buddies just pissing around like at caves and stuff but yeah basically imagine like crawling around a rock face at like a gym somewhere i mean yeah i mean you know just your basic like okay this is fun but never anything where i've got a 30 pound pack hanging off my back and a bow strapped to it and i've got my my fingers are bleeding from grasping so hard onto the edge of this cliff and i mean it's just stuff where it's like when i first started i like remember looking down which is a total no-no and i was just like oh oh shit like what am i doing right now this is all for a freaking stupid mule deer like what that what am i thinking and then i can remember just kicking it into another gear and being like okay all right mule deer you want to you want to roll up over this rock face i'm gonna roll up over it too you bastard watch this here i come and 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 i just did it like it just kicked into a gear. And I mean, you'll find yourself in that situation where, you know, where you'll just kick it into another gear and you'll just go, you know, but yeah, I mean, I think you can be born with it, but I also think you can learn to acquire that as well. Yeah. And, and I mean that, so I, I'm glad you answered it that way. Cause I think there's both, there's certain people and I, I'd say my dad's one of them that was, or maybe he acquired it, but ever since, you know, that I knew him, it seemed like he was born with it. But just it don't matter the weather from I'm thinking specifically for whitetail hunting or even just any kind of work, you know, he's just focused on getting the job done and doesn't complain, doesn't bitch, just does it. And, you know, so I've I've learned a lot from that. And for so there's that there's that side of things. And then there's the other side where you, you know, acquire that. So for me going out West for the first time and going through certain situations, I didn't even like heights. So as, as you know, how Colorado high country can be, you're in some really radical places where, you know, one wrong, you know, you put your foot in the wrong place and you're, you're tumbling down very far. And I remember freaking the hell out when I first did it. And this past year when I was out there, it wasn't a big of a, as big of a deal. I was able to do it. I had more confidence. I obviously still have to keep your mind, you know, set and watch your footing and keep and keep focus on your task, but it becomes easier. And with and, and that correlated over to whitetail hunting. This this past year I sat 8 days in a row dark to dark and saw a total of like 5 deer over that time frame and any whitetail hunters know when you sit in a stand that long that many days in a row and don't see many deer you start going a little bit insane in your head and you have to and you know normally maybe i'd be like all right you know on day five i'm gonna sleep in a little bit i don't feel like you know going out this morning nothing's gonna come through anyways i'll be good at going out at 10 or whatever the case may be those experiences help you push through that and then that correlates straight over to regular life you know you're you're faced with adversity in your everyday life whether that's work whether that's relationships whether that's friendships you're faced with that shit all the time and these experiences in in my opinion help out a lot and i'm i'm excited to see what solo hunting can do for that you know how, how help you deal with it and then and learn to you know to see the positive and everything and that's i mean that's the way i am in regular life i just i do the best to see the positive and everything and no matter what the situation is people are like why how, how do you laugh about that kind of stuff 
you know, you're not, you should be, you know, worked up or this or that. I'm like, yeah, nothing you could do. You just got to keep rolling with the punches and, and see what, see where you come out at. And then, and I, I see the same thing in, in you a little bit and, um, and I'm sure solo hunting and everything really helps, helps that out, whether it's solo hunting or anything else, anything that's tough makes you better. Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, um, I've taken my, my whitetail mental out West with me and I've actually thought about it and used it like, um, around here I'm known as that idiot that'll sit dark till dark two weeks straight. If I have to, um, I have somehow I've acquired this love hate relationship with all day hunting. And for me, I get to take a lot of days off at work. Um, I can think back to a few years ago. I started all day hunting October 31st. It was in 2015. We had an, an early rut that year, and there was a lot of really, really good rut activity that first week of November. So I started in about the, I think it was the 31st, Halloween. And I think I don't, I did not miss a day. I think I hunted every day, dark till dark, till the 12th of November. A lightning storm came through on the 13th, and I went back to work on the 19th. So out of that span, only two days did I not hunt dark till dark. I remember I lost about 15 pounds, did not kill the buck I was after until actually December 27th. Shot that was that bird. big one, that, that, that real big uh, one you shot right after Christmas there, what, in 2015? You were telling me that story? Yeah, yeah he was a, a big mainframe eight with some kickers. and uh, Giant deer. And, uh, you know, and... I've always forced myself to hunt all day, but as times went on, I've grown to like, to love it. Um, but I use that mentality. Like when I'm out West, you know, it'll be middle of the day and I'm like, man, I could take a nap, you know, the elk aren't bugling or I'm not, you know, a lot of the mule deer are bedded. I could take a nap. And then I think back to whitetail hunting and I'm like, do you ever leave during the rut and go to your truck and take a nap? Like I would never even think to do that. I mean, I like, I literally almost put myself on the sixth floor, not trying to toot my own horn, but like, I mean, my buddies always make the joke that, Oh yeah. Casper's feet don't touch the ground during the month of November in daylight, unless he's shot a buck and he's going to track it. And like they say that and people laugh, but they're like, no, seriously, like this cat will hang in a lone wolf stand for weeks on end until he punches a tag or the rut comes and goes like, and I don't know. I mean, I, I've, I've learned to love that hardship that the rut brings with all day hunting. And that's kind of how out West hunting is, is it's like solo hunting. Like I've learned to embrace the grind and embrace that struggle and, I mean, just, I mean, we could do a whole podcast about gear and what to bring and different things, but just while I'm thinking about it, like for all you guys that are going to do a solo trip, like I'm not saying you've got to go out and buy the best gear out there, but there's a few things I'm going to tell you right now. There's like three things that come to my mind that you, you absolutely need to have or you try to afford the best 
of these three items that you can that you could possibly like come up with money wise and that's going to be clothing um i know me and me and you both are huge fans of sika we have been for a long time um sika gear allows you to to wear the least amount of clothes and pack the least amount of clothes and be able to function in, in all different types of weather. And, and that's huge because of the weight issue. Um, the next thing I'm going to touch on real quick is a pack. You, you gotta have a good pack, whether it's a Kafaru or an Exo or a stone glacier, or, you know, you gotta have a pack that allows you to, to carry heavy loads and that has good load lifters and that, doesn't rub around your waist. And I mean, you know, it's, it's built to take a beating and built to haul out big, you know, big, big loads. And then the, the other thing is going to be your sleepwear. I mean, uh, you've got to have a good sleep system with a sleeping bag, sleeping pad. Um, there's a million different options, but I mean, you know, just to touch on real quick, those three things are so huge to being successful solo hunting, because if, if you're not sleeping at night, and you're not comfortable with your your clothing and 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 on clothing I should add in footwear being part of your clothing gear too because boots I mean if, if your feet get blisters and and they're not in proper shape and they're not functioning I mean you're you're in huge trouble um but just you know just all that combined I mean you've got to be able to sleep at night you've got to be able to walk around during the day you've got to be comfortable what you're wearing and you can't have all this bulk and all this weight in your pack so I mean you know, just real quick to touch on those while I'm thinking about it, you know, those also make a, make a, make or break a trip and they can make or break a person mentally. Um, I love to throw my crispies on in the morning when I head out on a hunt, they're comfortable. I know my feet are going to be comfortable. I love my Kafaru pack. I know you bought a reckoning just like I did. And honestly, I freaking love that pack. I mean, yeah, after going know, from, uh, you know, a, an ultra light pack that, you know, I thought was going to be the ticket. You know, I got it on sale. It was all the, right. everyone's talking about it. It's, it's, you know, sub four pounds. Hell yeah. And it broke in multiple places on my first trip and carried loads terrible. I can't imagine if I actually killed something, how I pack it out because it sucked carrying, you know, 55, 60 pounds in for camp. And then I went and spent the money on a kafaru and when people say buy once cry once listen and do it and i and again yes that's an additional barrier to going out west is spending the money but if you can do it if you can you know not go out with your buddies one night a month and save up money over a six to eight month period to buy a kafaru to you know whether that's kafaru like i said or stone glacier exo whatever those top packs are whatever you can find that fit you do your research figure out what you want in that and save up your money for it because that is huge i i would say and i would completely agree with you i would say your your backpack your footwear and then your clothing system are some of the the three most important things in in my eyes um even way more important than a bow you can take a you know a 20 year old bow out there and and kill something as long as you're comfortable with it but if you can't last through the lightning storms the snow the rain the sleet and be able to carry weight around effectively because you're getting blisters or your back's getting sore shoulders are getting sore that's a problem you know 
And um, I, I, I just completely agree with that. I think you and I will have to do a whole podcast on gear. But um, while I'm thinking of it, Clint, you, um, I, we got a, a question on Instagram today from Mark Hannon. I'm going to pull that up real quick and, and read it about pack weight. And let me see here what, what he had to say. So Mark said, what do you like to set your pack weight at for, say, a three-night, four-day hunt? Also, what is your limit for the hike into hunt? Example, four to six hours. So how, how would you answer that, Clint? I would say, you know, like for me, like um, like last year I did uh, nine days in Colorado. I think my pack weighed... If I remember right, it was 44 pounds, 43 pounds. And I, I'm a minimalist. That's impressive. Uh, I'm only taking what I absolutely cannot live with. Um, my main reason for that was because it was 13.4 or 13.3, damn near 13 and a half miles into where I was going to set up my camp and start hunting from. So... I had three-fourths of a day's hike in just to get in. So I did not want to carry anything um, that was going to be extra weight. I mean, this sounds silly, but I cut my toothbrush in half. Um, I only took a little dab of toothpaste, uh, three pairs of socks, three pairs of underwear. I mean, I'm a... I'm not out there to be pretty or look pretty or dress pretty. You know, I mean, I, it's, I'm very minimalist when it comes to that stuff. And I've learned that over time that for me, that's a better system for a three day, four night. Um, man, I mean, you know, you're talking a little bit of food, um, to get you through those couple days and then your sleepwear, I would probably have maybe two pairs of socks, one pair of underwear, maybe two pairs of underwear for that type of trip. I'm going to say 20, 25 to 27 pounds. Um, Is that maybe, including water? You know, maybe 30. Um, what I like to do on water is I like to have water always with me, but I like to set up my camp and then go get water. I've got a collapsible water jug that I'll pack in. So I, I try to not, one of my biggest things when I'm when I'm looking to set up a camp or where I'm looking to hunt is I, I need water close by, not only for me, but for animals that's going to put game close to me. So I try to I always try to set up close to water because it it's like killing two birds with one stone. It's good for me. It's good for the animals. So, you know, with water, I'll usually fill up like one of my can, you know, like like one of my um, my bottles. Um, I've got a life straw and then I've got a, a, a regular Nalgene bottle, um, from Kofaru and, and I'll run those two, um, pretty much my, you know, for all my trips, um, I'll, I'll store water in one for, you don't run a bladder to or anything cook with, and then I'll have, you know, I'm not a huge bladder fan. Um, I, I don't really care for how they fit in some of the packs, I don't, I don't really care for how they like slosh around the weight right in the center of your back. Mm -hmm. Um, just, and I, I honestly, I really don't like the way they taste. I'm, I, I hate that rubber taste. So I, I personally am not 
a big bladder guy. Now I know a lot of guys that love him and like him, but I'm just not a big bladder guy. But but I'm gonna say for Mark's question, I'm gonna I would want to be in the twenties. Um I would want to be in the twenties, maybe thirty. Not saying you couldn't carry more, but I just don't really think you need more than that on on a three to four night hunt. I mean, for me personally, I, I know I wouldn't, but like I said, I'm a minimalist. I know some guys stress about not having everything they need. So they might be a 40 pound pack for that and a 55 pound pack for a nine, 10 day hunt. And that's okay too. But yeah, I try, I was, I was over 60 for seven days oh, and, man. and, oh. uh, yeah, when including my bow, it was 72 pounds, extremely Ooh. over, kill and i've learned from it so, oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's it's all learning experience and you're going to pack more than you ex- you think oh, you yeah. need and this year will be a completely different story i promise you that i'm going to take less in and also my day pack weight i used to throw shit in there that i did not need for a day hunt that i would throw in for no reason at all and so i what i did was i wrote down notes while I was out there. What didn't I use? What did I use? You know, what's nice to have is what are things I need. And I did that while I was out there. And then right after we got, like we got back and what was fresh in my mind so that when I go look at my gear list this year, I can be like, all right, I never touched that at all. The only exception to that is first aid stuff. I always keep that and, and, you know, attempt, attempt to know how to use it somewhat. But yeah, I mean, like, you don't need seven skin magazines. Just take one and yeah. only look and only look at one page, then go to page three. Then the next couple of days you can use the even numbered pages, two, four, six. Like, I mean, you, you just, you can't take that many nudie magazines into the back country like that. I mean, it just, it's just too much weight, Bo. I mean, you, you're going to have to leave some of that stuff behind. Yeah, I know. Um, I, I, you know, I strapped a Walmart bag to the outside of it full of them and, it just wasn't working out, so I I'll, I'll take the year subscription and cut it down to like a you know a quarterly type thing. No, wait a second. Was the Walmart bag recyclable? Because I mean, if it falls off your pack, I mean, I don't want to be packing out your your shit, your garbage twenty years from now. I mean, all right, I'll be honest don't... with you. It was an Aldi's bag, and I got the oh, ones that were like well, the coolers, that... you know, the, like the little cooler okay. thickness. Um, yep. I, I didn't want my magazines, you know, getting destroyed by sunlight or moisture, and okay. so I kept them safe. Well, I'm, I, I applaud your honesty, and I'm sure the audience listening right now is going to be happy that you you couldn't you confess and have come clean. <laughs> Viewers just went flatlined. <laughs> Our listeners just flatlined to zero at this point. Uh, <laughs> but really? no, I mean, I'm pretty sure they did. <laughs> Ah, they'll they'll come back hopefully guys come back but anyways clint so uh one okay so there's there's one thing i want to ask you about the solo aspect and it's never talked about because people i i want to say it's an ego thing that they won't talk about but when you're by yourself in the backcountry hiking around in the dark do you get freaked out at all How do you navigate me, through like the deadfalls and everything? For me, um, 
I've been lost a couple times. Once in the once in the big woods of Canada, bear hunting, and and once um, hunting some some public ground down around Athens, Ohio, which is some really which you've hunted down there, and, and it's some big woods stuff. So I know what it feels like to be lost. So I I really try if I know I'm going to be walking back in the dark, or I'm going to be walking out to a glassing a vantage point in the morning in the dark. I really try to put together a really, really, really good game plan of how I'm going to get there, how I'm going to navigate, what I'm going to use for landmarks, that kind of thing. Um, with that being said, there's always that eerie factor because like I said, it's the unknowns you don't know about. So to answer the question, in my opinion, anybody who says they navigate the wilderness or the backcountry in the dark and they, they don't have any sense of urgency or a little bit of fear or shock value, I'll be honest, I'd stand right beside you and say you're full of shit because you do. I mean, you, you don't know. I mean, um, I'm going to hunt Idaho for the first time this year, two weeks. Um, elk and muleys and in Idaho you've got bears wolves um, lions so hippos uh, well raccoons there, there, there have been a couple um they've got chipmunks with terrible tempers so there's a lot of things that in your mind, not that I'm worried about being attacked, but it's just, what if you encounter these things? Like just, just that shock value situation. So, or even being cliffed out, well, you, yeah. can't, you can't see that kind of shit. And when you're, no. when you're moving no. around, it's, it's, oh, it's no. messed yeah, up, you, you know? Cause yeah, you, you just, you honestly, you just don't know. So, um, I'm a very, and I'm sure, I'm sure you gathered this right off the bat from talking to me way back a year ago. Um, I like to have a good time and joke around, but I'm very black and white to the point. I mean, I don't like to sugarcoat or bullshit anybody because I just don't think that's a cool, I just don't think that's cool to do. I think if people ask you something, you need to be honest. And to be honest, when guys say, Oh no, I'm never nervous about walking around in the dark or what. Ah, bullshit. I mean, yeah, there's, you know, as people and as human beings, dark has always been associated with a time that we don't inhabit very often. We're not creatures of the dark, whereas everything that's out there in Idaho, in Montana, in Colorado, in Utah, in blah, 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 those are all creatures of the night. So you're inside their world more so in the dark than you are. It's like I, being like in the ocean. You know, it's... You're, you're in the, the fish's world, the shark's world there. It's not your, your habitat. Yeah, absolutely. So for me, it's hard for me to, to sit and be like, oh yeah, I understand when Joe Blow says he's never afraid to walk around 12 miles back in the wilderness by himself. Nah, I'm sorry, but I just, I know a lot of really good bow hunters and a lot of really good hunters that have hunted the West their whole lives and they still will tell you that they get a little bit antsy when they got to walk through grizzly country two hours after dark on their way back to their truck. I mean, that's just, you know, it just is what it is. But there again, though, for me, 
that's also a sense of adventure and it's a sense of unknown. And it's one of those deals where as much as I get nervous about it, I also love it because I don't know what's going to happen. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a thrill seeker, adrenaline junkie, whatever you want to call it, a dumbass, whatever you want to call it. It does, it does give you a sense of fired up. Like if you have that weird, like I I think you and I have that weird little thing in our brain that ticks back and forth that isn't supposed to do that. But I I know, for example, there was this one, this one, I call it a valley. I don't know what the hell they call it out there, but like this one drainage, I guess, where I got it, there was a, there was a big, big bull in there an old bull and he was uh he was with a bunch of cows and two days in a row he was heading up from the bottom heading up to his bedding area in this this thick like north facing slope that was right on the bottom side of a cliff so he's really hard to get to and he'd always go through that this one area in the dark and he was almost you know at his bed by the time it was light out so i was like well shit i'm gonna have to go down into this valley with nothing but blowdowns and just it's just dark timber stuff and if you've never experienced dark timber in a place like Colorado or the west it's thick as shit and you don't know you can't see in front of you much in the daylight you know bar being that at night so I'd try to you know drop down in there and I tripped a couple times on some of those deadfall and I I'm lucky I didn't get stabbed by some of the the branches so you, you need to be smart with it but it it does get you, you know, fired up and it did put me in place to, you know, have some encounters where I should have killed, you know, uh, that, that bull. I, I had the opportunities, but just my inexperience in the back country and, and with shooting elk, uh, you know, made that not happen. But, you know, nonetheless, it's, it's, you're lying to yourself if you say you don't get kind of nervous or kind of freaked out about it because you're just, like you said, we're, we sleep during the night and we're awake during the day. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I agree hundred percent. But anyways, Clint, so, uh, we're, we're going here well over an hour, almost into an hour and a half here. What do you, uh, do you have anything else you want to leave the guests with here? And but before I, before you even answer that question, you and I will be having quite a few more uh discussions here coming up and you'll be a pretty regular you know voice on the podcast since you and i are are doing a lot of similar things and have some uh some valuable information i think that that one you can learn from 98 percent of our mistakes and you know the couple percent that uh that we've done something that's worth listening to but anyways clint do you have anything you want to add here I mean, I, I would just say that, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to see where, where this is all going to go. Um, you know, I'm, I'm pumped for you and, and I'm pumped to, to have a kind of a, a piece of the pie. Um, I guess you could say with, you know, I, I plan on doing a lot of blog work, uh, for you and, and getting it on the podcast and it's, it's a, it's, it's going to be a fun and exciting journey. Um, by no means are we professionals, um, you know, uh, there's not a whole lot of Western game that's been actually killed between the two of us. <laughs> it's all been by you. Know, you. <laughs> we always, we all, we, we always joke around about, you know, man, maybe people think cause of the way we talk, we've killed like 20 elk and 30 muleys and really like, 
we got a mountain lion and elk, a bear and an antelope and, and, and a bunch of whitetails that no one out West really cares about. So it's, it's fun to, it's fun to joke, but, but no, I mean, we, we both have put the time in and we've, we we're climbing the ladder of the hard knocks of Western hunting and it's going to pay off. And it's a learning process, man. And, and oh, yeah. you gotta put the time in and just try yeah. it. Otherwise it, it, you, you won't get anywhere. I mean, it's it's like going through two-a-days. I mean, if you want to get into the the big leagues and you want to make it to the Super Bowl, you got to go through the two-a-days. You got to go through the Sunday practices. You got to go through the games and the playoffs, and then you finally get to the big stage. And it's like you know, we're I expect us both to have really really big years. Um, I got you know an elk and a muley tag in Idaho. No, I got a no pressure. Yeah, no, no pressure. I mean, I don't want people to think that because you got this whole deal going and, and because I'm contributing to this and a bunch of other different places and, and the same with you on the writing that there's no pressure. I mean, realistically, as long as I kill a cottontail rabbit somewhere in the States and then maybe shoot a whitetail here in Ohio, I mean, basically that's good enough. I mean, and, and whoever doesn't think that that's not good enough, I mean, I, I guess you can kick rocks. I mean, I don't really know what to tell you, you know? So it's, yeah. but, but no, I, I just, you know, I want people to take away you know some laughs and, and and laugh at these at, at the these conversations and and come, but also come away with we're being real and being realistic and these are all experiences that we've experienced as what what i would say rookie western hunters um coming from the east going west and i mean this is all real i mean we're not sugarcoating it this is really what happens i mean you know We've went out west, and like I said, we have unfilled way more tags than we've filled at this point, and and that's okay because we've both taken away so much knowledge and gained so much from those experiences that you know it's it's nice to share them with you guys. Because don't get me wrong, I mean it'd be awesome for me to be like, oh yeah, I've killed three giant muleys with my bow the last three years, and you could be like, oh okay, well. On every other podcast in America, there's some guy on there that's killed a hundred freaking mule deer. But on um, you know, w- with with me and with you, Bo, you know, people are kind of getting a different spin. You, you're kind of getting a spin from the guys that haven't killed a lot, but they're trying. And and we're, you know, I, I think I can speak for both of us. Our main focus with this podcast is to really express and and connect with the guys that are just getting into this game or they live in, in, in New Jersey and they're going to travel to Colorado this year for their first time. And they don't know what to expect and they've never done it. And, and, you know, that's, that's what gets me excited is it's, you know, there's, 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 there'd be a lot of veteran bow hunters out West that would listen to you and I talk and be like, you know, Oh man, you know, I remember being these two, like I remember being young and not really knowing what I was doing, but figuring it out as I go. But then the flip side, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be like, man, I never thought about that. Like these two idiots honestly are hitting on stuff I've never actually thought about. And I need to think about before I go out West this fall, before I go chase elk in Montana or antelope in Colorado or whatever you guys are all going to do. I mean, I I hope you're all going to go somewhere this fall, but I just want people to take away from the conversation and some of the blog posts that I'm going to do for you. And, you know, it's, it's not about what I'm killing or what we're killing, but it's about what to expect and, and our trial and error experiences and just, you know, what to expect and, and kind of to help you 
through those hard knock years of Western hunting. And I mean, hopefully it, everyone takes away something from these conversations we have. And I mean, I know you've already got some good blog posts up and I'm sure you got some good ones lined up and me and you got some good ideas for some stuff I'm working on for you. So I'm just, like I said, I'm excited and I'm really thankful to be a part of it all and pumped to see what the year, uh, has in store for both of us. And I mean, you know, like I said, uh, hopefully we're, we're punching some tags here this fall. And, uh, but if not, Hey, we'll, we'll have fun. We'll still uh, drink some beer together and, uh, and, yeah. you know, call it a day. But yeah. before, but before anything else here, I, I have a question, Clint, that I'm going to ask you on the air so that you have to answer it to me and you can't defer the question. I had an idea for, you know, some hunts this fall. So basically you and I, we swap in the whitetail woods and I'll hunt your 2000 acres and I'll show you, you know, 2 million acres, in Northern Pennsylvania land that you're welcome to hunt. Like it's, uh, you know, prime private public land. Um, <laughs> <laughs> It's only going to be you. There's like, you know, ton of, you know, you know, stuff going on there. So I was thinking that we could just, you know, swap, you know, to be able to talk about each other's experiences. <laughs> I think it'd be a good idea. And I, I've, I've hunted, uh, I've hunted PA. I've actually killed two pretty decent bucks in PA, uh, one on public and one on private. And, uh, <laughs> um, None of them were, were, were in the gigantic woodlots you hunt. They were more in, you know, northeastern Pennsylvania, but or northwestern Pennsylvania. But nonetheless, um, no, that, that, that would be fun to to combine hunts and hunt together just because it is different worlds. And, I'm, uh, I'm just messing with you, though. I just, <laughs> as far as, you know, getting well, your, your properties. I, but, you know, I understand that, you know, you're you're not only, you know, trying to move in on my fame and fortune but you know you're trying to move in on my whitetail so well, it's fine oh obviously you know i could just probably just stay at your house and you know everything maybe else my, maybe my old lady can rub your back but i see hot on your thighs i don't know i mean i was who thinking knows? maybe dinner and a movie you know I mean, netflix, yeah, and chill. <laughs> netflix and chill yeah. i don't know all right we went <laughs> we took it to another level um clint so uh where can everyone find a little bit uh, of your adventures and what you got going on on social media or some of your blog work, magazine work? Where, where can we find more of you? Yeah, on uh, Facebook, just uh, Clint Casper, both with C, um, C-I-L-N-T, C-A-S-P-E-R. Uh, Instagram, I'm Casper Clint, all one word, um, last name, first name together. Um, do a lot of freelance work for, uh, deer and deer hunting, uh, turkey and turkey hunting online, uh, Peterson's bow hunting. Um, me and you both do a lot of work with, uh, our good buddy, Christian Berg over there at Peterson's bow hunting, uh, hell of a fun guy to hunt with. Got to share a turkey camp with him this year. I know you might be sharing a deer camp with him. Uh, got to, got to watch his, uh, his boy, um, Timmy. Timmy's the man. He's he's a uh, he's a up and coming badass. Uh, I got to watch him kill his first tom this year uh, here in Ohio with me. So that was that was cool. Uh, we, uh, you and I both write for the journal Mountain Hunting. Um, awesome publication. Um, I do some work in bow hunter from time to time and uh, do quite a bit of podcasting with Working Class Bow Hunter. I run their blog. Um, do all the blog work for them. Me and uh, me and Kurt. 
uh, work hand in hand on that. He does a, a really good job of putting it all together. I do the writing and he kind of gets it up, uh, gets it up and running on the website and stuff. Yeah, I do uh, quite a bit of work with Kurt Geyer over there at Working Class Bowhunter. Um, he puts the blog together and I, I, I do the I, I write them all for him and uh, me and him work hand in hand and uh, fun to work with those guys. Uh, Eastman's elevated. Um, do a lot of work with Brian, you know, from time to time. Um, I, I some stuff in to Eastman's hunting journals, uh, mainly the bow hunting journal. And uh, yeah, archery maniacs and East meets West. Uh, you know, just got going with uh, with you and looking forward to what the future holds there and whatnot. So yeah, you can look me up on you know on any of those platforms. And um, like I said, I'm kind of a freelance guy. I don't really have a, a home every month per se. I just kind of float around and uh, kind of right from whoever whoever's in need and uh just gonna roll with that for a while until uh you know till you decide that you're gonna pay me you know x amount of dollars per month to do all your stuff for you so until that happens i'm just gonna keep freelancing yeah so uh yeah clint uh actually i was just gonna bring it up to you again might as well bring it up on the air you're going to start getting paid between 10 and fifteen thousand per month to uh, write from my online journal because it's so popular at the moment. <laughs> but no, I I, uh, I really do appreciate you know everything you've been doing for for me and uh, some of the articles you're coming out with that are going to be released on the East Meets West Hunt Journal are just they're they're unbelievable. So I'm excited for that to happen and uh, you know see what's coming up next and I'm sure you and I will be talking. A lot more um, coming up here in, in, uh, in the near future. I'm excited for it. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.